0: Good morning welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm
1: Abby. And I'm Erica. Today I'm going to be telling you guys part three of Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy's story. So grab your fire department coffee and let's dive in.
0: We'll continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly. But first, we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support.
1: All right. So if you guys listened to part one and part two, then... You guys kinda know where we're at. If you didn't, then I recommend going back and listening to that. This last part isn't gonna make sense. We talked about the fact that Conrad was reported missing and then was found dead by suicide in his truck. We read some text messages between Conrad and Michelle, and then we started with Michelle's trial. We presented most of the evidence that was found during this trial, and here we are with part three. The end of our last one, was the end of the trial after the trial judge moniz was the one to deliberate because as i had mentioned previously michelle had declined her right to a jury and that left all of it on the judge who was judge moniz so two days later he brings everybody back in for the sentencing basically what he ends up saying is that Conrad had not been coerced to get into the vehicle and begin the process of killing himself. He had gone out and he had bought the generator. He had gone to the vehicle himself. He, He didn't do anything, which one of the defense attorneys for Michelle actually said, you know, there was a police station less than a quarter of a mile away and Conrad did not go to this police station so was he really being coerced into killing himself or was this just something where Michelle was having a conversation with him and telling him what she thought he should do but what caught Michelle is the fact that Conrad exited the vehicle while they were on the phone and re-entered the vehicle based on what she told him that is what screwed her over now this conversation the reason that detectives and police actually knew that she even did this because she was on the phone with him at this time she had actually texted one of her quote unquote friends that i talked about the part two and told them what she had done told them that she had instructed conrad to get back into the truck after he had tried to get out saying that he didn't want to do it so there was text message proof of what michelle had told conrad
0: yeah i get that too like you can look at it as he, he wasn't truly being held against his will. I think it is important to note that he was right by the police station. But it, it almost, to me, feels like that second part that got her a little bit, if you want to phrase it that way, is kind of what they were able to bring a conviction on.
1: Absolutely. And that, that's what the judge said. You know, the judge also brought up that Michelle knew Conrad was in pain because Conrad had said, like, I'm hurting, like, this, like, he was showing signs of regret while it was happening, and Michelle didn't get help. She didn't call the police. She didn't call his family. She did nothing, and then when he was reported missing, once again, she did nothing, and the judge found this to be enough evidence or enough information to determine that Michelle Carter was guilty of involuntary manslaughter with Conrad Roy. So this all happens in June. They end up scheduling the sentencing for August 3rd, 2017. Between the trial and the sentencing, Michelle's dad, David Carter, actually sends a note, a letter to the judge, where he's requesting some leniency for Michelle. Which, Abby, this is some stuff that you kind of touched on originally, so... He said, quote, I pray to God you will take into consideration that Michelle was a troubled, vulnerable teenager in an extremely difficult situation and made a tragic mistake. I am 100% sure she was only trying to do what in her mind was right for Conrad. She has accepted the court's decision, and I hope you will consider a term of probation and continued counseling for her and us. She will forever live with what she has done and I know will be a better person because of it." End quote.
0: I get it. I really do. And like, don't get me wrong. While it doesn't 100% excuse what she did by any means, you have to acknowledge that she was a kid struggling with mental illnesses as well. It's just what makes it such a tough situation is like, to what extent can you excuse it? And I think her dad kind of sums it up. Like, at this point... I would assume she knows what she did probably was wrong she had to go to court she had to go to jail she you know she went through it and it would i i feel some sympathy for her and i know not everyone probably does but i i can see both sides of the whole thing
1: yeah so i'll say it now but i went into this thinking that like i said in part two i knew michelle's case and the case of conrad And then researching it more and more and more, I did gain some sympathy for Michelle. I, in the beginning, you know, thought of Michelle as this kind of cold-hearted person who just told her boyfriend to die and moved on with life. Reading all of this and watching things and watching her trial, it made me think a little differently because she was a kid and she did have her own struggles going on, like Abby said so don't get me wrong what she did was absolutely wrong very much so and in the documentary that i watched they went around and interviewed a bunch of people they didn't specify but i'm assuming they were from like the same town but they were just asking them you know is this morally wrong or is this legally wrong and that's something that abby and i are going to discuss at the end
0: it's really funny to me that that was your shift So if you guys listen to part one and two, Erica kind of teased that her opinion shifted. And I truly thought it was going to be the opposite way. And so that really surprised me. For me, I remember hearing this case and I I truly initially was like, man, what is like, what a tough situation. I'm sure this girl was struggling, too. And then we're reading the text messages in part one. And I'm like, "Ah, you kind of suck. (laughs) And then again, I came back to she's a kid she's struggling doesn't excuse it completely but you have to take it into account and i was i thought i really thought you were going to be on the opposite spectrum of that
1: no i after hearing some of the things you know the things that she struggled with and then when they talked about the glee situation and how they thought maybe she was living this delusion that she was in a glee life like she was living the leah michelle life mm-hmm. it made me feel for her because it's very clear that she has her own mental illnesses that she needs help with i never ever ever feel that another human should be 100 responsible for the life of someone unless obviously you're a parent and you have a kid but like if somebody else is struggling with a mental illness you cannot 100 put that on yourself how they choose to react and how they choose to right. carry out their decisions
0: it's a good point with With Conrad himself, maybe, or other people in his life. I mean, I like that you said that, like, it is never solely put on somebody to save someone's life who wants to commit suicide. Correct. It's not one person's duty.
1: It will take an army. When you have the people that love and care for you that are willing to put in that effort, then that's great. But they can take 100% responsibility for the action that somebody else took, except for what they do for themselves. It's just how it is. You can help somebody. You can give them advice. You can send them to counselors. You can give them medications. Ultimately, the decision comes down to the person themselves and what they choose to do. And so that I think comes into play in this situation. I think that David asking for a little bit of leniency is totally fine. I have no issue with that. I think that potentially the family of Conrad maybe felt a little different only because it hit closer to home. Obviously, you know, they, they lost their family. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place
1: for a happy price. Go to your happy price. price Priceline. After the sentencing where they determined that she was guilty, there was actually one of the attorneys, um, one of the prosecuting attorneys that did a little bit of a press conference statement thing and said, you know, I don't have a lot to say because she hasn't been officially sentenced. She's just been found guilty. But Two families' lives were torn apart today, and there's nothing that we can do to change that.
0: And that is so true. Yeah, I think that's true for so many cases, even with the case of somebody like murdering someone, not necessarily comparable at all, but like, I think it's important to consider that the family members of someone who commits a crime like that, they're affected too. Nobody wants their family member to be a murderer or responsible for someone else's death. Nobody wants that, and I—that's a—I think that's a good statement, especially for this case. Like, in regards to Michelle's dad, probably took a lot to like take on that she was struggling that much, and so much so that she put this on and it hurt somebody else and somebody else's family. That's a lot. You just have to be empathetic sympathetic and come in with an open mind in this situation
1: yeah i completely agree and you know the, the quote that i read was a couple different quotes it didn't flow like that exactly in the document that david wrote to the judge but the paper that he wrote was a couple pages long but i just wanted to touch on a few important points because you know he is he's right you know she was a kid she was a 17 year old who probably didn't know the proper way to find resources and she was in love with conrad according to their text messages and he had told her you know if you tell anybody about my mental health i will hate you forever i remember being a teenage girl and if anybody told me they were gonna hate me forever i i don't know what i would have done i wouldn't have done whatever it was that they were gonna hate me for for
0: more like for two years she kind of went through this with him too it's such a hard topic to really give up a thought on because i i never want to offend anybody and neither does erica because we're very open-minded people and we understand but like that has to take a toll on her too
1: 100
0: percent, absolutely and i can't imagine like like you're with somebody this closely for that many years and they still are unhappy and to that extent you know what i mean Not that it's their fault at all. If you're unhappy and you have depression, there's nothing you can do to fix... Like, there's stuff you can do to fix it, but, like, you can't be expected to turn that off and on, you know? Yeah. But I think it would take a toll on me is all I'm kind of getting at here.
1: Absolutely. So I, in a, a personal experience, have struggled with depression for many years of my life. And I had some very, very, very low points in my life. And I was lucky to have some very supportive friends on my side of the court without them i truly don't think that i would still be here to this day now that it's been many years since i have been that low i can look back as an adult and realize that as a teenager the decisions that i was making were completely my own and that nothing that i would have done could have been blamed on anybody else so When I was researching this, it kind of hit close to home because I started thinking about the friends that I had in my life at that time when I was really struggling and I realized that, you know, I I did rely on them a lot. I, I relied on them to help me keep fighting and it wasn't something that I necessarily should have done, but it's something that I did because I was a teenager and I didn't understand the proper ways to actually find help for myself. Because this episode focuses so strongly on suicide and suicidal thoughts and depression, I wanted to take a moment just to briefly talk about it. If you guys want to fast forward through this, you're welcome to, but I want to point this out for anybody that needs it because we all struggle with depression at one point in our lives, whether or not it is a full-on depression diagnosis where it is a full-on chemical diagnosis or if it's a traumatic event that causes a depression episode— we all have it at some point in time. So I wanna read a couple statistics and direct you on where to get help if you guys are struggling with suicidal thoughts or with depression. Most of these statistics are coming from 2019, so it is a little different. In 2019, 47,511 people killed themselves in 2019. I think that is an insanely high number of individuals that are taking their own lives. Now, in 2019, there were 1.38 million suicidal attempts. Once again, extremely high. I am personally grateful to see that the amount of suicide attempts and the amount of officially committed suicides are... Uh, there's a big gap between the two. It's still extremely sad to see that these numbers are are so very high and this these numbers aren't even including 2020 or 2021 where depression and suicide numbers jumped up due to the pandemic and covid and everything so but as of these numbers suicide was the 10th leading cause of death in the united states which is just absolutely crazy to me how prevalent it is in the united states
0: something we're a big advocate for and you can probably get a sense of that from this episode is the fact that like mental health issues should truly be normalized and if it were more normalized people would not be so ashamed not feel like they're doing something wrong they would know where to get help as erica mentioned earlier and i'll I'll just jump on it too Neither of us are new to that kind of mindset. We both struggle with depression, and anxiety, as so many people have. I think the statistics help to solidify the fact that it is such a large day-to-day problem that people have to deal with, and I would just really like to see it more normalized and getting help more normalized, and, you know, even if we want to go into, like, politics and work and time off like if you need a mental health day you need a mental health day and i strongly believe in that it's just it's sad it's sad to think about how those those kind of things could maybe decrease the number of attempted or actual suicides
1: yeah i completely agree with abby something that i found interesting i guess in 2019 men died by suicide 3.63 times more often is than women which i know i've heard before that women are less likely to take their own lives usually i've heard that women take their lives in a more less aggressive manner like men are more likely to like to end their lives by use of firearm whereas women are more likely to end their lives by use of overdosing on things It's talked about so much that women have depression. And it's very rarely talked about that men have depression as well and that they struggle from the same things. And so seeing that number, like, I mean, I knew that the statistics that women like, or that people saying that women have depression more than men probably wasn't super, like I knew it wasn't accurate necessarily, but I just found it super interesting to see that it was that much higher than women. I'm
0: not an expert on this, but... (laughs) here's what my interpretation of the statement you just said two things first i think it's because in a lot of cultures men are supposed it's systematic that they were supposed to hide that shit and you you shouldn't it's not how you work through depression by bottling it down that's just not gonna work most of the time (laughs) probably not at all i don't know and two like from a woman's perspective i think we just go through so much more Like in terms of, you know, it's no secret and you can look at statistics that women go through a little bit more day-to-day stuff that men don't necessarily have to that could lead to depression. And I think it kind of builds up more of a ability to be like, well, it's just how it is and an ability to deal with it whether that's in a healthy way or not. But it's kind of just sad to think It just sucks that people have to deal with it in general. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but we got really deep in this episode, which is not typically how our episodes go, so I apologize if it's a bit much for people, but like, again, it just, it just sucks. It all sucks. I don't know. I'm just, I'm hopeful that we can eventually get to a point where it's more normalized and everyone can get the help and be open. Absolutely. Regardless of age sex gender race all of that
1: and that's why i chose to take a snippet of this episode to talk about suicide and how much it affects people and these statistics like i said are all united states based but with how often that it it happens it's important to talk about in all cultures and in all countries so i wanted to like i said talk about it we want to normalize it because it is a normal thing it's a very, very normal thing. Uh, if it's if suicide is affecting... Not even affecting... But if suicide is taking the lives of... 47,000 individuals in one year... Then it's affecting at least one person per individual. So it's, it's affecting a lot of people annually. And it's something that needs to be talked about. And it is something that needs to be normalized. And help needs to be available. So if you personally struggling with suicidal thoughts or depression then you can reach out um there is the lifeline available they provide 24 7 confidential support it's free it's available for anyone you can call you can call in about a loved one anything like that it's it's available in the united states and that phone number if you need to call them is 1-800-273-8255 So now that we've talked in depth about that, like Abby said, we got deep, which isn't normally usual for us. We don't normally get that deep. Um, but the to kind of end the case with Michelle and Conrad, um, on August 3rd, 2017, like I said, Michelle's going to go back for sentencing. And she did. And at the sentencing, which I talked about her demeanor during her trial. So I wanted to talk about her demeanor a little bit during her sentencing hearing the entire time she was there she is 100 percent sobbing and distressed and upset i know that we are gonna hear two different sides on that is she upset because she got caught is she upset because she feels remorse that's always discussed i, I can't say whether or not I-, I know which one it is i almost feel like she was more upset for the remorse Side of things. I think that she had had some time to think about it. You know, August 3rd, 2017 is three years since Conrad had committed suicide. There were text messages that she had sent to his phone saying, I love you. I miss you. Like things like that. 100% could have been a show. We never really know. But I feel personally like maybe she did have some regrets. Um, maybe she had realized this wasn't what I was hoping for the psychiatrist that i talked about that had been part of the trial before did say that you know michelle was psychotic that's how he described her he said you know she's not right there's she's struggling with mental health issues she does need help herself and i think the judge probably took that into consideration as well the judge did say that he took into consideration the age Of Michelle and of Conrad. And because of their age, Michelle would have a higher chance for rehabilitation, which I know Abby kind of talked about in the first episode. You know, her age is definitely a big factor in this. The age of Conrad is a big factor in this. And the judge thought so too. So the max sentence that he could have given Michelle was 20 years in prison. He gave her two and a half years in prison with 15 months being served in prison and then the remainder of the balance was going to be suspended until august of 2022 so they did end up granting a stay until the appeals had been processed through all of her appeals were denied a year and a half later and so then she was taken into custody officially she was released in january of 2020 after serving 11 months of her sentence and now she's on been on probation for five years this probation will end in August of 2022 that's where that date comes from she's about 24 25 years old at this point nobody really knows where she is she's pretty much stayed out of the spotlight I don't blame her because I'm sure she's getting a lot of hate and that's kind of what I want to talk about at the moment Abby I wrote four questions on here the first two correlate did she force Conrad to kill himself or did Conrad do it on his own accord would he have done it without Michelle's convincing i would say i would i would use the word convincing based on the text messages that we used if you feel like the word convincing isn't right or doesn't fit it then let me know abby No, i think uh like a coercion or
0: kind of thing i think that's an appropriate word that's such a hard question because obviously we can't predict what would have happened what could have happened what should have happened xyz right i'll just start it off you guys are, i've already said it you guys know i have a lot of sympathy for everybody in a situation including michelle I think if you inserted somebody else into the situation that was close with Conrad, potentially they could have directed him to help. He could have got the correct help and maybe still been alive. But I can't, there's no way I could even say one way or the other. I don't know. I don't know them. You know what I mean? And if you're truly depressed and you truly want to end your life, and I think Eric even said this one point, like, nothing anybody says is going to change that there's such a spectrum to it and there's so many outcomes that could have happened
1: yeah i absolutely agree i tried to answer some of these questions on my own that i'm now asking you and i didn't have answers specifically so i wasn't expecting you to completely have answers like i said a little bit ago you know my perspective changed while i researched this but not enough for me to say Michelle was in the right or Michelle was in the wrong
0: and I truly I don't think there is one or the other yeah I think her sentencing was fair because you know she she had to serve time and take time to reflect on what she, like the fact that what she did was not the right way to go about it and it was wrong and ultimately it ended in someone's life but again broken record you gotta give her a little bit of sympathy she was clearly going through shit
1: yes I do think that her sentencing was a fair sentencing. I agree with the judge that she is obviously young enough that rehabilitation can occur. So I think that Mm -hmm. the fact that she's on probation is just, you know, more of an additional support to help her through things. Mm -hmm. The other question that I had, which I kind of talked about a little bit in part two, is what Michelle did legally wrong or is it more morally wrong? And me personally, I can't answer that for myself. I think it's more morally wrong. I think there are maybe some legalities that can be pulled into it. But morally, no, you should never convince somebody to commit suicide. Unless like Abby had said when we were talking about euthanization and assisted suicide, you know, end of life situations where they're in a lot of pain. That's that's the one time where I'm like, okay, maybe. But I, I truly think that telling a friend or a family member of yours to commit suicide is just morally not something that you should be involved in or something that you should do
0: yeah that's that's where i'm at i mean and i i don't have as strong of a background in the legality of it as erica does but it sounds like from how her case played out there wasn't a lot of legality to it i mean if someone ever comes to you and says i'm thinking about committing suicide you need to direct them to someone who can help them as opposed to doing which doing what michelle did
1: yeah At the time that the case happened with Michelle and Conrad, there was nothing in play to make what she did illegal, really. Um, Like I said, the only thing that officially got her to go to trial was the fact that she had convinced him to get back in the car because he had walked out of the car. Over time, they did end up adding a new bill called Conrad's Law that was actually inspired by everything that happened with Michelle. So this law makes it a crime to intentionally coerce or encourage a person to commit suicide by using physical acts or mental coercion that manipulates a person's fears, affections, or sympathies. And then this law, if you are charged with it, is punishable for up to five years. I agree with this. I think that's fair. And,
0: you know, with any case in sentencing, there's the leniency based on the situation. The case itself right like it's sensible up to five years but it can be less which i think is a fair way to look at that
1: yeah absolutely my last note on this so as i told you guys i did watch a documentary that was on hbo this documentary is called i love you now die there's a link for the imdb page in our description if you guys want to go check that out they also have a new show coming out to hulu that is going to be titled the girl from plainville and this is going to cover the case of michelle carter and conrad roy's suicide and in this series l fanning is actually going to be playing Michelle Carter, which they look quite a bit alike if you guys look at any of their photos compared. So that's supposed to be coming out here in spring of 2022. So it shouldn't be much longer after when this episode releases if you guys want to check that out. So if you guys want to check that out or check out the documentary that I watch, let us know your guys' thoughts and opinions about this case. Um, do you guys think Michelle was in the wrong with telling Conrad to commit suicide? Do you think Conrad was wrong in and Michelle wanted to commit commit suicide and then relying completely on her. If you guys want to let us know, you can email us, you can comment in the description. However you want to reach us, Patreon members can send us a message. But yeah, we, we would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Once again, we really I wanted to use this episode also to bring awareness to suicide and to make sure you guys had the supports needed in case you guys are struggling as well. Thanks to
0: listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepot at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.